We're, we, we looked at a passage last week that reminded us to live for eternity. Keep our eyes on eternity. And tonight, we're going to get a glimpse of that a little bit closer. And in both passages, there's a call to unity. Jesus told His disciples that people are going to know you're My disciples by the way that you love each other. Can't have unity apart from love. Matter of fact, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. And when we have genuine love for one another, when we are so more focused on the other person than ourselves, we'll have unity. And, and we live in a, in a place that's, that's not real, real, real diverse, but there's still so much more diversity to be represented in this body of Christ. And the more diversified we are, then the more we have to die to our comforts and consider others more important than ourselves. There's a pastor that I like to listen to in that, that's in Las Vegas. And they've got, I mean, it's like over, a, I, I'm, now I'm not quoting them, I can't remember for sure, but I remember it's like over a hundred languages represented in their church, like mother tongues. That blows my mind away. Now, one thing he said on a podcast I listened to is, is, is we really are going to have unity and diversity at the same time. Then every Sunday, everybody should feel a little bit uncomfortable somehow. Think about it. Dying to our preferences for the sake of others. And that can be a hard thing to do. So, we continue to pray, God, thrust us out as laborers into your harvest, God, Use us to reach the nations. God, would you bring more and more people here to be saved? Would you send us out more and more to, to see people saved? And as that begins to happen, guess what? We're going to have to make sure that we continue to seek His face for unity. So, let's stay, let's stay on top of that thing. Last pr prayer request tonight um, is unity in our body. Love for one another. Praising God for the unity that we have and asking Him to protect it and increase it so that other people see what's going on here and say, man, God has got to be in that place. Somebody want to pray that? Dale will mic you up. Father, we just come before you now and just uh, thanking you for uh, the fellowship and the unity uh, that we have at Longview Point, and Father, that uh, we may not, that we don't take that for granted, uh, because it's not like that everywhere. Father, we just ask that uh, you help us to continue uh, to be a prayerful, uh, service-oriented church and, and Bible-believing, and, and that we uh, we reach out to those around us that we are uh, an outreach to our community, and Father, that. Uh, where the outside world is in disarray, that, that they can see um, your love for us by the, by the way we treat each other and by the way that we treat those around us, Father. And we just ask for your continued blessings on this church and, and uh, the unity that is uh, not that common, Father. We just, um, that we give all the glory to you for that, Father. And we just ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And one last thing, we'll be praying for Brother Wade. I'll, I'll pray for Wade. Um, thank you. I know. I'll, okay, I'm good. Thank you. So, Brother Wade's traveling with his family.
to do a uh, wedding. <laughs> Almost said the wrong word. You can be doing a wedding, <laughs> not a funeral. <laughs> a wedding. I don't know why I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so glad to be married. <laughs> but I'm bad about that. <laughs> you can recover if you say wedding at a funeral, but you can't recover if you say funeral at a wedding. <laughs> um, but they're traveling tonight, so we're going to pray for their travel, and then we're going to dive in to Philippians chapter 2. Father, we thank you for the, the grace that you have shown us. Lord, I, I pray that everyone in this room knows you personally as their Lord and Savior, as their heavenly Father. And I just pray, Father, that you would help us to see you rightly and to worship you accordingly. I pray that as we meet around your word, that you, would, that you would empower us to understand it and even apply it to our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to love your word and to, and to, to hunger for it, to, to desire your word deeply, to meditate on it throughout the day. Your word, I pray that you bless them on this trip, that you would protect them on this trip, that you would use them uh, on this trip. Pray you bring them back just excited about Jesus. And Lord, we, we just thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I get another shot. Philippians 2. You got a chart. On that chart, you see in the top left corner a little picture of a sword. The Bible is called the sword of the Spirit. It's another weapon for war. We got prayer. We got the Word of God. The Gospel. That sword can be used as an illustration, all right? So say my Bible is a sword, and I'm holding it up like I would be holding up a sword. It points up. It reminds us to ask the question, what do we learn in this passage about God? Man's holding the sword. What do we learn about man? On one side, is there a sin to avoid? On the other side, is there an example or command to follow? God, man, sin, example, command. You don't have to have a chart to study the Bible. You don't have to have a chart at all. But what I would encourage you is don't just read it without thinking about it. There's a lot of good inductive Bible study plans and programs. The reason that we use this method in our discipleship groups is so that we can not just learn how to study the Bible in a group, but model to everyone that's there how to study the Bible personally and how to teach others to study the Bible as well. So, Tonight is really going to rise and fall on you guys. <laughs> We're going to ask the questions, trusting you guys to answer them. Ryan, you going to help me write tonight? You don't have to get up yet. I'm sorry. Well, you're welcome to come. Now I'm going to make you play limbo. Um, but uh, my buddy Charlie wasn't able to be with us tonight. And it helped me so much last week to have him. And, and Ryan, he used his phone. He cheated. <laughs> Because yeah, there's some big words in this, in this passage. Uh, so we're going to read Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 11. It's one, of my, it's one of my favorite passages. It's just such a good passage. Um, and I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. The context here, Paul's writing this, this, this letter to the church in Philippi from imprisonment. And he's talking about how his imprisonment has actually been used for the furtherance of the gospel. 
And he's talking about how the, no matter what our circumstance is, we can have joy in Jesus Christ. And when we do, he uses us as lights. We'll read the few verses. He says, so if, I think that's rhetoric, if there is any encouragement in Christ. I don't think Paul's wondering if there's any encouragement. I think he's saying, if there is, then these, this should happen, right? If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. A lot there. In this passage, what have we learned about God? When we ask this, keep the Trinity in mind, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When we ask what we learn about God, what we learn about Jesus is what we learn about God. And sometimes when the, when the Bible says God, it's speaking of God the Father. You can look at the context there. So, context. So, what do you see? What do we learn about God? Love. God's love. All right. What verse do you see that? Uh, that is the uh, very first verse. Okay. That's right. His love. What else? Sorry. Okay, he, he gives encouragement. We'll say it like that. Encouragement in Christ. Mercy. Okay, so we got mercy and then we've got same. Same nature is God the Father. He's God. <laughs> He's God. <laughs> we can just, you can put that in parentheses. You can go under if you need to. It's okay. Where? Verse 8. Verse 8 says humble. 
for the same nature? Let's say verse 6, verse 8. He is humble. Obedient. What verse? Verse 8. He came as a servant. Verse 7. What else? Sorry? Prayerful? Verse. Help me out. 10. Prayerful, verse 10. What, uh, let's see. Well, he will be... So verse 10 is saying that at the name of Jesus, one day, every single knee is going to bow before him. We bow before him now as his children, and we do pray. As part of praying to him is submitting, submitting to him. But there's going to be a time when every single knee, whether people confess him as Lord on this earth or not, Bows before Jesus. How, how do we how do we say that? Um, sorry, he will be exalted. He will. Well, that's that's. Let's back up then. Let's go to verse nine. Uh, he has been highly exalted. Verse nine. He has the greatest name, Jesus, the name above every name, verse 9. Give you desire and the power. He'll give you desire for him and a power to do what he wants you to do, what he needs you to do. We see that, verse 13. You went too far, man. <laughs> That's next week's study. <laughs> But it's good, and I almost had a hard time stopping where I stopped. Uh, so let's say, we'll just say every knee will bow before Christ, and every tongue will confess Him as Lord. Verse that's verse ten, and then verse eleven. Jesus Christ is Lord. Anything else? To the glory of God the Father. There's that Trinity working together. It blows my mind. <laughs> Come on. The, de the, the deity and also the incarnation, the, the humanity of Christ. So verse, he said, verse 7, well, for verse 7 you can say, um, he emptied himself and took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So you can just say, you can say, I mean, we, we want to see here that his divinity and also his humanity. So you can say emptied, you can paraphrase. Um, it's the greatest act of humility. Because you can't get any higher than God. 
<laughs> right? I mean, you can't get any higher, more majestic than God. Yet he does not regard equality with God a thing to be clung to, to be grasped, but empties himself, taking the form of a servant. A servant. Being born in the likeness of man. That's huge. That's our example. That's, that's our Savior. He, now I've got to preach just a minute. He became God. I'm sorry. The, Scratch that. Don't put that on the recording. Rhonda, that is not true. <laughs> he's always been God. <laughs> and He's been worshipped as God in heaven forever. And He leaves that glory and that recognition and He clothes it in human flesh. And He becomes our Savior, our substitute. As God, He can afford to pay the penalty for our sin. And as man... He can be our substitute and die in our place. We need God. We need Jesus. Alright, so anything else about God there? Alright, what about mankind? Now this again, we talked about last time. This can be fallen mankind, or it can even be things that we see about mankind after salvation in a way. So something about we see about mankind. Ma'am? Where you see that? So we can have fellowship in Christ. We can have fellowship in Christ. Verse 1. Comfort in his love. We can have comfort from his love. So, we, that's a, I think that's unity, right? Because of the Spirit of God in a believer, we can be unified through the Spirit of God. There's unity in the Spirit for, for believers. Unity is possible. You know, it's really hard to have real unity if you don't have Jesus. Because <laughs> it's possible to be completely different. And unified. It's possible to disagree on things that aren't essential and be unified. It's possible. What else you see about mankind? There's, there's selfishness and conceit or vanity, vain conceit, vain. Y'all aren't selfish, are you? <laughs> Man, y'all. Hmm. Verse 4, we have choices. Hmm. Verse 2, we can have joy. Anything else? Uh, 
every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. Every knee will bow before Christ. And every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. Verse 10 and 11. Y'all believe that? That's what it says, right? <laughs> That's what it says. So the question is, have you bowed your knee to Christ now? Have you confessed Him as your Lord? Every. Boom. Good paraphrase. Anything else? Okay. We're going to save that one. And I'm not trying to nitpick again, but we're going to put that over here under examples and commands. It's huge. Yes, sir. Verse 11 is huge. Every single tongue, every single mouth, every single person, one day, whether now or then, will confess Him as Lord. And I'm here to tell you, if you want the gentle Savior, you got to do it now. You got three people are represented in three different places. You got heaven and on earth and under the earth. The, all those all those people are going to confess him. Verse eleven. That's verse eleven. Verse ten. Verse ten. That's right. That's right. And that goes along with we have choices, but that's. Same, same thing. Is that the same ver uh, verse 4? What you're looking at? Yes, ma'am. Verse 12. That's right. Um, Alright, what about sin? What you got? It's about what? Mm -hmm. Jesus took on flesh. So that's God. Um, we're going we're gonna to tack that up with, did we put incar incarnate or? Took, okay, so let's put incarnation maybe. This stuff's huge, y'all. It's huge. It's huge. So selfishness and and con that would be a sin. That would be sin and a command. <laughs> but it's an example of sin, right? Selfishness is. A, but again, nobody in here is selfish, right? People, you know, selfish ambition. Yeah, what's that? It's when we put ourselves first. And the reason we do what we do is for us and not others. Pride. That's the root of it, right? 
We can be selfish in our interest, you know. Don't want to play your game, I want to play my game. <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't want to do it your way. We're going to fill up my life with things that I want, but not worry so much about you. We can be selfish with our time. Selfishness. Our money. Never think about how our actions affect others. You know, a pet peeve of mine, I'm getting over it now. The more children we have and young ladies in the home, but it used to always bug me so much for someone to be late. <laughs> I was like, man, it's so selfish. <laughs> now I'm late all the time. <laughs> I decided I'm either going to be a hypocrite or get over it. <laughs> Conceded. Conceded. Mm. C-O-N-C-E-I-T. Me too. I before E except after C. E. Wait. Hold on. Yeah. E-I-T. Except after C. <laughs> Verse 3. Any other examples of sin? Did we write on about God that Jesus died for sin? Let's write. Let's put that. Let's let's. This doesn't have to be just linear. <laughs> Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That would be verse eight. It's a good Christmas passage. Incarnation. All right, so what about examples to follow or commands to obey? Obedience. Well, we see that. You talking about like the example of Christ's obedience or that we're, com we're commanded to obey? Well, let's look at specific, sorry, verse 4. Mm -hmm. Consider the interest of others, verse 4. Verse 5, that's actually a command and a Example, right? The example of Christ, His humility, His considering others more important than Himself. Um, so verse 5 would be the mind, the mind of Christ. Um, suffering is the example of Christ. Suffering for others. 
What verse would we assign to that? Uh, five, sorry. Value others above yourself? Where do we see that? Verse 3. Count others more significant than yourselves. Three's good. It's all wrapped up in there together. Yeah. Empty. So you got the example of Christ. So so we got over here we got commands and examples. We got the example of Christ of emptying himself, not clinging to his rights, his glory. And then what was the next thing? Being humble. Being humble, even in death. That's not very American. <laughs> America and God are different. That could be like the title of the... the uh, and that's not just America, that's human nature. It's not, like, it's not human nature to empty ourselves. It's not human nature to die to ourselves. It's not human nature to die for someone else. That's the nature of Christ. But we also not give up privileges if we're supposed to follow and be as Christ. He gave up his privileges. Yeah, be willing to, right? I mean, and that, and then when when you go back to verse verses four and five, we talked about it. Even three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Well, there you go, humility. Have humility. Verse three. Do we have that yet? Count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And have this mind among yourselves, among you together, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The only way we're going to really live this out is if we're in awe and in submission to Christ Jesus. If He's the one that is renewing our mind, by His Word. Because in nature, naturally, this isn't going to happen. This is Jesus working through us. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of how good Jesus has been to us. And, and not to seek Him for what we get, but for who He is. And if He never did another thing for us, He's done more than we deserve. You know, He's our, he's our motive. I mean, He's the reason that we, that we would ever put someone ahead of ourselves is for Him. <laughs> and we truly are able to love if He's loved us first and allowed us to, to, to be able to forgive with His forgiveness, to love with His love, to not cling to our rights, you know, I remember early, early on as a new Christian, somebody offended me about something and, and Danny Allen said, Trey, you don't have the right to be offended. You don't have any rights anymore. You submitted those rights to Christ. You're His. You're not your own. Emptied ourselves to follow Him. Right? Because if we confess Him as Lord, what does that mean? 
It means if there's a throne in our heart, He's on it. He's Lord. And we looked a few weeks ago. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And we asked the question, does He have all authority over our life right now? Is there anything at all that we're holding back? Anything we're... You can have everything but this. <laughs> Is there anything? He's Lord. You don't say no, Lord. You say, yes, Lord. He's Lord. Um, how about confess Him as Lord? <laughs> and bow, bow to Him as Lord. Under examples, commands. Anything else you guys see? Obedience can go under there too. He says if God humbles him, or as he humbles himself unto God, we're supposed to humble ourselves and be obedient to God. We should also be obedient. We follow that example of Christ. Yes. And it says that Jesus has been given the name that is above every name. He's been exalted in his humility. Now, there was a time in my life that I called myself a Christian, but I didn't love God. And, and my knee was not bowed, and I could give Him lip service all day long, but He was not the Lord of my life. I grew up in church knowing about Him, but I had not submitted, surrendered. And the further I got away from those teachings and outside of church and I remember getting to a place where I didn't even want to believe in God because I didn't want the accountability of God. You know? Because if He really is God, then I really do have to give an account to Him. And so it soothes your sinful mind to say, well, maybe there's not a God. You know, do you follow me? But I remember thinking, man, I don't want a bunch of rules and regulations to live my life by. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be free to, to do what I want to do, to enjoy the things that I enjoy. And, and the further I got down that path, finally I realized, man, I, I'm not, I don't have the freedom to do these things. I'm ensnared. I'm enslaved to these things. And the night that, that I bowed my knee and confessed Jesus as Lord, the night that I recognize, man, there's a God in heaven that I deserve every bit of His wrath, but He loves me enough to come to this earth to leave the worship and the splendor of heaven, the recognition of heaven, to take on the, the, the flesh of man, to clothe His glory, to, to, to hide His glory with human flesh, and to live a perfect life, and then to be beaten and to be mocked and to be spit on, to be hung on a cross for the penalty of our sin. And I was like, man, I can't get clean enough. But he did what I couldn't do. And he died on the cross to pay for our sin so that we can be forgiven. He's our substitute. God and man. 100% God, 100% man. And when I finally bowed my knee to him and surrendered and confessed him as my Lord, and I mean really like verbal contract. You're God, you're the boss, and I'm not. There's a surrender. That is when I realized I was never free before. And to become a slave of Christ is to be set free. And I didn't know that until He set me free. 
And all those things that I held out on for so long that I thought, you know, it's the same lie from the Garden of Eden. God is going to hold, the lie was, God's keeping something back better. And He's making you dance around in all these little perimeters. Then you realize it's the same lie being whispered down the ages. God's not holding anything back. He's offering us what's best. It's Him. It's eternal life. It's joy. It's comfort. It's love. It's unity. And if there is any comfort in Christ, if there is any love, participation of the Spirit, then we should be like Jesus ourselves to other people because He has already set the example and it's the most extreme example that we could ever have. God became man and He died in our place. We can forgive. We can die to ourselves. We, by His grace, can consider others more significant than ourselves. Die to our rights. You know, somebody cuts you off, let it go. <laughs> Y'all notice that most of my illustrations are, are dealing with driving. <laughs> I may or may not have a problem. Let it go. You don't have any rights if you've surrendered to Christ. Let it go. You don't even have the right to be offended. Life's too short. I heard Mr. Alvin one time say that when you... When you retain unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, it's like drinking poison hoping that it hurts another person. And it just poisons yourself. Bitterness. But that's the opposite of this passage. There's not bitterness there. Especially maybe about... You, you could be in this room tonight and you might be being hurt by somebody that's supposed to love you. And you can choose to harbor that unforgiveness and bitterness. Or you can ask God by Christ to help you love Him and empty yourself of your rights and to be like Jesus. And you can have joy. You can have joy tonight and honor Him. Jesus' example and His obedience Thank you, Ryan. His obedience glorified God. Don't you want your life to glorify Him after, after what He's done for us? Don't we want to live for Him? Don't we want to honor Him? Don't we want to represent Him well? Don't we want to show other people how good His love is? It breaks my heart to hear of people who don't go to church because of the way that they were treated by people inside a church. Or maybe, maybe not. Maybe they went to church and they saw some people there that they know once they leave the church, they don't talk like that at all or act like that at all. They, they, they act like somebody completely, somebody that's not of Christ. That's not what this is. This is surrender. This is dying to yourself. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said, take up your cross Every day, die to yourself and follow me. That's what we're called to do. He's our example. So, if you don't have a Bible study plan or tool, I highly recommend the sword method. 
What to learn about God, man, sin, examples to follow, commands to obey. Again, there's, there's more there that we didn't uncover, but this is a whole lot better than reading the verse real quick and then forgetting about it. Chewing on it. This is how you can study the Word. This is how you can chew on it and, and, and try to get some, some things out of it that you can live out. So then we say, okay, Lord, after we have done this, now what do we need to do to obey? That's your homework. One of your little questions on your sheet is, what are you going to do? Based on this, what do you, what does the Holy Spirit tell you that you need to do? Maybe you need to bow your knee to Christ and confess Him as your Lord. My buddy Dusty told me that night I came to Christ. Trey, I don't know where you stand with God. That's between you and Him. (laughs) He said, but I had to come to a place where I admitted that I didn't know Him so that I could actually enter into a relationship with Him. You can grow up in church. You can walk aisles and say prayers and still be far from God. Have you surrendered to His authority? It's a really good indicator. And if you are His... Are you living like it? Are you representing Him well? The people see you coming and say, now, I can't wait to talk to them. Or do they see you coming and like try to go the other way? Think about it. Do people think of you as a selfish person? Or a selfless person? Is there anybody you need to apologize to? That's how Dusty shared the gospel with us at first. He said, I need to apologize for being a bad example. I'm truly following Jesus now. And He's better than any how you can imagine. And I tell you this, you wake up in the morning in love with Jesus, and you can let other people's sin just roll off your back. And you can look at the atrocities of this world, and you can rest because you know one day, everybody's going to confess Him as Lord. And He's going to take care of business. We can trust Him. And we can rest in Him. We should worship Him. We should obey Him. We should follow His example. So specifically, your homework. What do you need to do to follow Christ's example? Is there anything you're convicted of? Anybody you need to tell about Jesus? Maybe you just need to use this this method to study the Bible. Here's my plug. Maybe you need to get in a discipleship group that meets on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and begin to learn to practice this with some brothers, sisters. Maybe you need to start a group, teach some folks how to do it. Now now I'm meddling, I'm getting way off track now. Anything God's putting on your heart, I want to encourage you. He's not trying to keep anything good from you. He's offering you what's best. So don't hold anything back. Trust Him. Love Him. Live for Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this night to study Your Word together. Thank You, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, Holy Spirit, thank You for empowering us to study Your Word. God, I pray that You would also empower us to, to, to live it out. And that You would use our lives our testimonies, our examples, our humility, our emptiness, our surrender for your kingdom 
for your glory, even if it means to die for you. But while we're here and alive, God help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray.